Hello, good morning, and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Wade In podcast. It is just before midday on Monday morning after the weekend that was British Champion Day final at Ascot. Oh my goodness, so much to dissect, guys. And I am joined by Brendan Duke and Kevin Blake as usual. And then Daryl Carter has stepped in off the tipping bench on Thursdays and on to wade in on a Monday. How do you feel about that, Daryl? Yeah, a little bit nervous. I don't think I've got quite the uh, intellectual capacities, some of you guys, on some of these issues. But um... <laughs> that's a low bar. <laughs> <laughs> Very uh, hopefully I'll be all right then. <laughs> yeah, you'll be absolutely fine. Uh, Daryl in for TC, who's off for, I think, a couple of weeks, bit of a holiday for Tony Calvin. Um, Brendan, you're in the usual spot. Thank goodness you're going to bring some level-headed realism, I hope, to this show. We're going to be discussing <laughs> all things Frankie. But first and foremost, did you enjoy British Champions Day? Yes, uh, there the, the, the were some uh, the, the, there were some terrific races and some mo- monster performances. But um, I, I, in, in the back of my head, as the results came in, I'm I'm, I'm thinking Kiprios and Kinross, two warriors of the turf. One of them joining the 101 club, and the other almost, um, and then Ascot turning into a front runners' paradise. And somehow, I'm going to have to try and make sense of this on Monday for the viewing public. So uh, I was getting a bit stressed. Out. I was getting a bit stressed out about that, but it's fine. It's fine. I think I, I think I know what I'm talking about. So let's let's kick off. Okay. All right. Okay. I like it. I like it. Um, and Kevin, what about you? Obviously, we all got swept up amid the sort of Frankie melee on Saturday. But looking at the race day as a whole, you were watching it. I think from home. You weren't there, were you? So how did it view from a TV spectacle? Oh, I was kind of one. I was over in the UK with, with friends for the weekend, and I, I was watching the races as they happened on my telephone device. So um, I didn't get to benefit from the. I watched the. I watched the last half an hour or so of the ITV coverage this morning, um, and uh, yeah, geez, it was uh, it was a terrestrial TV dream, wasn't it? You know, in terms of how how it could how it panned out and um, the atmosphere. Geez, it was one of those, and I had I did have a bit of FOMO. I was I was about three quarters of an hour away from the track while it was happening, and I did have a small bit of FOMO. Um, but yeah, a great, great day. Look, it's it's British Champions Day. You'll get the usual um, cribbers and crabbers moaning about um, soft ground and some funny results. It's October, lads. You get funny ground and funny results. Um, you know. You, it is what it is. Um, it was fantastic racing. And Frankie, the old devil, after winding up, winding up all us professionals and hardcore fans there for the last few months on, uh, on the big day, he goes and reminds us exactly why he would be so missed um, by producing some, some sporting magic, um, uh, an atmosphere that was more, um, you know, crowd favourite winning at the Cheltenham Festival rather than um, anything to do with flat racing. And um, yeah, magic stuff. A, a good day for the game. It make, make, made you feel good about things, Vanessa. I reckon it was good. Oh, it really did. Honestly, I was there, and we'll, we'll discuss it. Um, the atmosphere and the sort of feel of the day around the other races as we come and cover them. But if we just dive straight in with King of Steel and the Kipco Champion Stakes, Daryl, um, this performance, there was so much sort of hype around this horse and the race beforehand, obviously. And then when you were there, like the focus on Frankie and King of Steel was huge. And then the performance that this horse managed to pull out coming from last the first, whether it was choice or just circumstance that led him to that position. But there really was a sense of, 
he's going to do it with about two furlongs left to run. I felt anyway in the moment, even being there, and it's rare that you get that in the moment. Obviously, we'll cover Via Sistina and the whip drop, but focusing in on the performance of the horse and jockey, how good a race and a horse do you think King of Steel is? I think he's a, I think he's a very good horse. I think things set up perfectly for him, I must admit. I backed him on Saturday. I was very, very happy to see Frankie uh, in a driving finish. I haven't seen him in one of those for about three years, I don't think. So he definitely <laughs> wanted to win that bloody race. Um, but I don't think he had... I mean, there was a lot of talk about him having given it a great ride, but I didn't think he had too much choice you know, in the early strides. I didn't think he could quite go the gallop. They went off quite hard up in front. My Prospero was in first time cheek pieces. Tom Marquand sort of sent him off a bit, a bit like a bullet from a gun, really. Uh, and the others just followed. I think they clicked on that they wanted to be on the front end of the pace. And it it, it did fall right for him. He's not the most straightforward. He's He sort of wanted to hang a little bit to his left in the home straight under a bit of pressure. But he was ultimately a very willing partner for Frankie on the day. And I think that bit of digging the ground did just help slow the others down a bit at the finish and just his stamina. Because he, he's not quite the mile and a half horse that you, you'd like him to be, I don't think. But I think a stiff mile two, bit of digging the ground is, is exactly right up his street. So it, it was a deserved winner for me. OK, a deserved and a decent winner, it seems, for Daryl. But let's focus in, Kev, on the key talking points, including Asheen Murphy dropping the whip on Via Sistina. Obviously, in the early stages of the race, first and second were in a very similar position and finished um, with the win, obviously, for King of Steel and Via Sistina, just half a length or so back in second, minus the whip in sort of, was it the last 50 yards or so? Do you genuinely think that cost her the race? Yeah, it was earlier than that. Um, and look, it was, you know, it, it was a fair way out. Um, and look, sure, Frankie the Tory had a bit of a mic drop moment, but um, Ushie Murphy had a whip drop moment. And he probably, I know, as the owner, um, Stephen Hillen, like who, who's, you know, very hardened industry professional, he knows what he's looking at. You know, he was a bit upset about the ride. And yeah, and you can see that, you can see why, like they, they went the way the race went, you know, being played late. Um, was what was what was favoured, you know. Against, we'll, we'll we'll talk through the rest of the card where pace was favoured, but um, kind of a typical example of where the thought built during the day that you had to be up there, you had to be up there, and it ended up getting overdone in the last, um, and it paid to be held up. And look, Via Sestina, very good mare, was played early enough. Whip was dropped. Like I don't think the whip, the, the, the dropping of the whip was the difference between winning and losing, but. If um if Oshin had maybe waited, it's easy to be smart after the event, we all know, but if he if he'd waited um another hundred yards, hundred and fifty yards before asking for everything, um, it might have been a closer run thing. Um but the King of Steel was good and powerful late on. Um like he, he does stay well, like and he's clearly very versatile, you know, big difference between um his win here on you know proper soft ground compared to um, a few months earlier, winning on fast ground, the Royal Ascot, looking like a quick horse over a mile and a half. Um, so you look forward to seeing him next year. Will we see him again this year? Um, that would be for connections to to have a bit of a tug and war over. But um, by the sounds of Roger Varian, he's a horse that could be kept in training next year, maybe the year after if things are going well. And uh, we could get to see plenty of him. He's absolutely huge. He's 17 hands high. His racing weight is 570 kilos, which is, um, you know, Denman territory. Um, so, you know, one would hope that if he, if he stays right, that he can get a little bit better even um, as he gets older. 
And yeah, exciting horse. Um, what a way for him to finish uh, a tumultuous season for him. Um, there's been some highs and some fair lows as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, you know, there's so many threads with the King of Steel effect, uh, story anyway. Obviously, the sacking of his jockey and retained jockey and um, Kevin Starr after Irish Champions Weekend, uh, Kia's comments afterwards, Kia being quite a controversial figure himself, Ammo Racing's operation not loved by everyone. And then this horse, they had so much faith in him. They're so disappointed after finishing second in Nepsum Derby at a huge price that day. Yet they genuinely thought they could win that race. Um, and now finally he's got his... UK Group One under his belt and on the biggest stage, Brendan. He is six to one from tens for the Breeders' Cup turf. Do you expect to see him out in Santa Anita, judging by comments from owner, trainer, post race? I suspect not. Varian uh, did mention that that, that he'd, eat, he'd eaten up and he he was sound the, ne the next morning, but that race has to have taken a fairly savage toll on him. And uh, as you mentioned, he's he's danced every dance this season. Well, bar, bar the Dante when he when he wouldn't go in the stalls. Um, I I I just feel like that 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 was a grueler of a race. I mean, he he he, he was never really on the bridle throughout it, mm. and he, he showed he showed an awful lot of heart. Um, as he has all season. I mean, in the in the King George, he ran well, given how keen he was through the race to finish third in a in a in a red hot renewal. Didn't have the best trip in the world in in Leopardstown. Comes back here and finds a way to win. Um, probably th things did fall right for him. I feel like Via Sestina, she was probably in front a bit too soon, as Kevin mentioned, the drop in the whip. So she only actually got one backhander. I thought Murphy made a strange move with about six furlongs to go, having got her settled in behind Horizon Door, took her back outside and slightly lit her up. And you're talking about three quarters of a length, very fine margins. I think she was probably an unlucky loser, but... Um, Frankie, Frankie at Ascot uh, 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 just just finds a way to write the headlines. And actually, I meant to ask you because I was in Leperstown, so I just saw the races I didn't see. But from looking through Twitter, the narrative through the day with the media, because we were very concerned about the media going into this event, Vanessa was everyone just pretended it was his last ride, did they? The Emperor's <laughs> and, and, and it's, it's totally fine. It's, uh, they just rolled VT, did they? Yeah, yeah, there was a sense of roll VT. So it was really interesting one, genuinely, from uh, being there on the day. Uh, for anyone listening who wasn't there and anyone who was there, it'll be interesting to hear race goers' thoughts. But uh, for me, I find it rare that when you're on track, specifically a race like a meeting like Cheltenham, for example, that you really get the likes. It, it's a buzz to be there, but it's a different buzz than watching it on the television where you just see so much more and you pick up. I feel often on the television, you pick up a lot more of the atmosphere than sometimes you can do on track. If you're not, you know, you can't experience everything on track. Whereas Ascot for Champions Day, there's just so much they do to try and make it the best possible atmospheric experience. And that includes having so much going on on the race course TV. And I just felt on the race day itself that actually I came back and watched it on the telly. And for once, it was one of those days where it was a better, more special moment being there on track than if you'd watched it on the television at home. I actually didn't feel that the atmosphere came across on the TV, on the ITV coverage that I saw as well and as big as it felt on track. 
Um, but it was interesting, Brendan, what you touch upon there, that there was a sense of everyone just put their heads down and just said, OK, I think the narrative is to try and pretend that this is going to be his last day riding here. And I was one of the cynical people who wasn't having that. I must say, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, there was such a furore with um, Frankie getting on King of Steel uh, for the champion stakes. He was actually, so half the runners had left the paddock and then him, Bay Bridge and a couple of others were still left in there. And he was leading the ones that were left in and they did an extra turn in the paddock. But to make sure that he was the last one to leave and it be this big moment, he looped across the paddock. So he was the last in line. So everyone else left first. So the focus could be on him. And literally, I mean, the cameras, the people, I mean, it was real hype there in the paddock. I promise you it didn't. I don't think it came across as well on the TV as it was in the moment. And yeah, there was definitely you know, this is his last time riding here. And that was just the narrative everyone decided to roll with. I personally don't think it will be. I think we'll see him back. Some people saying, oh, he went out on such a high on Champions Day that is he going to want to come back to ride a 10 to 1 Wesley Ward shot in the Coventry, for example. Time, guys, time. You roll forward to June next year and all this will be well in the back of our memory. Oh, and- yeah. He will be here. I, I'm. And it's 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 not just Wesley Ward either. He's going to be no. on the phone for all these spare rides. So who knows what's going to happen with whip bands? And he's going to be. Oh, hello, it's me, uh, Frankie Dottori. You may remember me from the Magnificent Seven and my farewell <laughs> winning Group One kind of farewell winning Group One ride on King of Steel. Have you any interest in availing of my services at yeah. this year's Royal Ascot meeting? Like the last time I rode here, I gave two horses wonderful rides. Uh, yeah. than anyone else could have given those horses. But sure, you know, don't worry, because I went out on a high, I'm not going to take the ride on this two-to-one fab or whatever it might be. I mean, let's do a quick ring round. Lovely to see, great atmosphere. Kevin Blake, will will Frankie Tory be riding back at Ascot at some point in the relatively near future? Yes or no? Actually, look, it, it's heavy odds on, but I, I, it's heavy odds on, but would I back it at sixes on? I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would. But look, Daryl Carter? Same yeah, question. of course he will. Of course yeah. he'll be back. Yeah, he loves and it. Brent, Brendan, I don't need your answer. Well, um, I back it at 20s on, Vanessa. What, what price is it to be alive? <laughs> what price is it to be alive? Uh, Whatever that price is, it's the correct price. What, what, I would, what I would ask you, Vanessa, is is you mentioned about the narrative with, with Frankie on Saturday. If you would have took that Frankie factor out of Saturday, how would you have felt the day would have been? Yeah, very interesting that, Daryl, and actually something I did want to mention, so thank you for reminding me. Very much, you know, weather, the storm, the ground, we all know that that had taken a main focus leading up to the day on Saturday. And there was just the sense of it's a little bit grey, it's a little bit damp. Yes, every, you know, like we needed something to lift the day and Trawlerman winning the first did exactly that. I mean, the crowd genuinely there's a real like London crowd there one-off race goers enjoying a day out because that's how they like to market it to the younger people in the London area I know good few people that came out of London on various in various forms of transport just for the day out and you know Frankie winning the first took it to another level and I did think like you Daryl it's just like when he's gone no one's going to care that Tom Marquand has won the first they're just not (laughs) Like it's, just... it's, it's the combination of that as well as the, the time of the year. I think the meeting is staged. You're asking these horses to run all all year on fast ground and you want to crown the champions on the hurdle track in, in heavy ground in October. It doesn't really make sense. 
I thought the build-up just touched the build-up just throughout the week. We'll move on, obviously, from this in a minute. But the build-up throughout the week with the arming and arming about the switch into the tracks, I thought was... I think Ascot walked away from the meeting and patted themselves on the back. And I thought that punters had been pretty much shafted all week, really, up until the final, up until Friday midday. So I, I think it, as a punter, for me, I think it put a bit of a damper, damper on it. I think if you take out that Frankie factor on Saturday, if he wasn't there, and the same same sort of, you know... Yeah. racing day happened I think we'd have been looking at that meeting as a bit of a disaster I I disaster I, I get I totally understand what you're saying Daryl I can see it from your point of view as a professional punter disaster would be probably uh, not quite the word I would use but I totally agree with you in terms of Frankie made that day and definitely Kevin you touched upon it earlier it was one of those days where honestly I drove home I was at the end of a very long week and I thought I'd been knackered and I genuinely like laugh at it as you will but I drove home on a real high I was just like I love this game I love our sport I love the people in it what a great day but that was mainly because of Frankie and there was me a cynic going into it let's talk about some of the other results though because of course we did see some big surprises um how literally are we taking some of this form let's kick off shall we Brendan trawler man obviously that man Frankie but we've done him now uh in the first taking the long distance cup touching the 101 marker, Kiprios, dog or not? Should he have gone through with it? Was he a monkey in the final stages? What are your takeaways from the Long Distance Cup? Uh, <laughs> I certainly wouldn't start calling Kiprios a, a dog. I consider him I a didn't, warrior. I didn't call him a dog. I just asked if you might. You did, him. you did. No, 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 I... I, I wouldn't. Now, he, he's always been a horse that finds plenty for pressure and probably, in, well, except for that time he won by half the track in, in Longchamp, it, it generally seems to be just doing enough. Maybe he was in front a bit too soon, but when he went to the front, I thought, because I thought they, they went a million up front and I, I thought Frank gone too fast, but it was clearly wrong. And Ryan might, might have thought I can just put this uh, race to bed here. Frankie knew enough still to challenge away from Kiprios when he made the re-rally because he's not a horse you want to eyeball. Um, and it, it, it was just a... It was just a really game performance uh, from the horse. I mean, I was slightly surprised at his price because I, I went. To, I remember he won a non-event in Newmarket a few weeks ago, and you asked was was he a big price of twenty five to one? And I think I, I I can't remember as me, but I I would have been inclined to poo poo his chances because he'd been well beaten third in the race last year. Had he done anything this year to suggest that that he was a better horse? Granted, he looked a real improver last year, winning the Ebor before uh, coming coming on here to, to finish third. Uh, but clearly, some people fancied him because I see he he went off nine to one, so he he wasn't he wasn't unbacked. Uh, the Middle East experiment earlier in the year didn't work, but they've done a really good job, and clearly he is an improved horse. Um, but yeah, Kiprios probably, if Ryan had his time back, would have held on to him a little bit longer. But I, I, watching the race, I thought it was everyone thought it was all over. He was one oh one, so I, I wouldn't be massively critical of him. Yeah, Kevin, sorry. I am. I actually am. That was obviously very unfair on Kiprios, who is a class act in the staying division. It's just that some people have asked, you know, did he just really want it in those closing stages? And it was a clever ride by Frankie to keep him away from Kiprios when he went with that second push. Um, is Kiprios, Kiprios isn't quite, you know, we know he's had his, we know he's had a setback. We know this was just his second run back. But at one stage, we were really hoping that he could be the next proper 
top class stayer for years to come. How far off the mark are we with that at this stage now with Kiprios? Well, look, I think he's still on the comeback trail. You know, like I think that uh, I think it was a big surprise that he came back to a race as quick as he did to to his connections, like after the problem he had. So I wouldn't like to be knocking him just yet. Look, this was a step in the right direction. Um, I wasn't blown away with what he did in the in the Irish St. Ledger, and this was a, a big step forward from that in my mind. Um, looked like he was going to win clearly. Um, if Ryan had his time again, he might wait a little bit longer. But again, that's smart arse hindsightology. Um, and look, the winner, you, you can make the case for him. He wasn't beaten at all far in the race last year. And what was his first go at the trip? You know, he, he hasn't been over raced. And uh, he came in here probably fresher than most. So um, you, it, it's perfectly viable. Pulled a long way clear of Sweet William, who's progressive and likes the ground. Um, True Shan, you know, it. it, it Got there in the end with Trushan. It didn't feel that the, the, those two wins and since his comeback um, amounted to much. And now that was maybe exposed the shade here in stronger company. Um, so look, Kiprias, it, it, it'd be interesting to see what they do. Like because he'd he'd have um, he he'll, he'll have a place at stud um, doing the doing the other job. You'd imagine, you know, a stayer of his level and um, with a pedigree like his. So. They'll have a decision to make what they want to do. And um, they've had no trouble bringing back their top stairs again and again over the years. Um, so they might well do that. They might think there's unfinished business. And you'd love to see him back because uh, and see if that you can get him back to um the very best of what he did last season, which was better than what we've had the chance to see from him this year. But um, I wouldn't be knocking the winner now. You know, it was a bit unexpected, etc. But um well cleared a third who who's no joke. And um, yeah, on we go. Okay, on we go indeed on this show too. Um, let's go to the other end of the spectrum, Daryl, with the sprint, please. And obviously it was role reversal. Frankie comes there aboard Kinross, looks to go through with it. Art Power gets back up on the line at 40 to 1 for Tim Easterby and David Allen. And this and the result in the Phillies and Mares with Poptronic and Carl Burke were two of the stories that obviously just kind of not got missed, but were very much, you know, at the back of our minds by the end of the day, courtesy of Frankie, but great results in their own ways, but probably not if you're a professional punter, Daryl. Yeah. Zero <laughs> for 14 art power was in group ones before, before Saturday, <laughs> zero for 14 and zero for 20 in Britain as well, actually before that. But yeah, look, he went off. At, I think he was a bet Ferris of 65. I think there's only two horses that were bigger price than him going off. Um, it was just a very efficient ride, front running ride. Obviously, that that was sort of the, the kickstart of the the pace bias being seen to good effect to Ascot. Um, disappointed with Kim Ross, I must admit. Um, he, he was close enough there to get the job done, I thought, and um, he, he just perhaps age is catching up with him. I don't know. He's he's a six year old now. He's he's had a fair bit of racing in some top class races. Maybe he's just not quite the horse he was last year. I thought he had everything in his favour. Um, I think if you go through the race, like we were talking before about the depth of the sprint division, it's just there's just nothing to it. I think I think only two of those, or only there was only three Group Two winners in the entire field outside of sort of like Philly's company over six furlongs. So one of those was Rohan, which was two years ago. And the other was Sandrine. Um, so yeah, it's, it, I don't, I don't really know how to, to pick apart the, the sprint division at the moment. It's uh, uh, I think Kim Ross was the, look, he's in second, but is he the horse he was last year? I'm not quite sure. I think it was one of the biggest shocks of the day for me, not necessarily Art Power winning, but the fact Kin Ross didn't go through with it, Brendan. 
Like he just, everything about it, it's like you're watching it, you're watching it. It's like inevitability, here it comes, happy days. Mm. You sort of blinked and then it didn't happen. And it was like, whoa, whoa, hang on a minute, wait, what? Yeah. Um, I don't know, is he not the force of old? Obviously we saw him in France and a fortunate there. Maybe he has He's very tough on these horses today, Vanessa, very tough on them. He used all his, he used all his horse to go and challenge. You know, winner was really. He weren't that far behind him. He weren't that far behind our power. I think he, I think he used. I think for me, he used his petrol to come and challenge and just paid for it very late. Was my was my read of it? Um, yeah. In in a in a funny race, a bit a bit of might have been a bit of track position at play there as well. Obviously, impossible to quantify that, but um, you know, you're just trying to work out what has happened because, like you said, there, like you know. 15th time lucky in group ones. Um, you know, we've seen him look very good over here in lesser sprints, but um, look, it was its ground, etc. But I'd say I, I suspect he probably got the most efficient ride in the best part of the track. And um, the, the second probably uses petrol to get there and, and just pay for it late would be my thought. But again, you can end the season soft ground. You, you can turn yourself inside out trying to explain some of these, but sometimes you just have to throw your hands up and go to the forums there. That's what happened. Uh, don't think about it too deeply. Well done to our power. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't being harsh on Ken Ross. I was so being... harsh. So harsh. Didn't, always, go true. didn't go Didn't go true with it. Gone at the game. Not the horse it was last year. May as, may, may as well wrap him up in a ball and throw him in the bin. Yeah, here, Ken being... Ross. You're nothing, but a, you're nothing but a yoke. <laughs> I was merely making the point. I was asking the question to Brendan that he might not be the force of old that's all I was saying he might not be the force of old that was all I was trying to voice there but I well, am delighted to be proved wrong with Ken Ross he's a favorite. well and, and and may still be because he'd be off to the Breeders Cup mile like a warrior the turf that he is his, his season isn't over um I'd, I'd be inclined to agree with Kevin I think his Goodwood form and his York form is on, on a par with last year he things didn't fall right from in France that can happen and I, I mean you, your reaction uh, during the intro would surely be a meme for the reaction of all the 101 punters because that's it he got there the race was over all he had to do was get there. this is a horse who stays a mile against well our, our power of course is equally effective at five and six furlongs at the Curra. and interestingly I mean this is the, not that I fancied him in a million years but he has a decent record at Ascot actually he's been fourth yeah. in that race a couple yeah. of times third in a, in a golden jubilee so his second I think I think I tipped course, him I, tip, I think I tipped him for last year Brandon based on his record in the, at the track oh, so there yeah, you go yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the graveyard of Wall Street is full of men that were right too soon. Yes, uh, <laughs> r- r- right horse, wrong day. So, um, yeah, so, 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 yeah, we won't give up on Kim Ross. He's going to run a monster race in the Breeders' Cup mile, and he is uh, a credit to Connections. Who oh, I saw a tweet actually, uh, not to belabor it, but apparently King Rafe has had a second in 10 Group 1 races this year. Now, I, I know Westover's four and Blue Stocking is two and Kinross is two. I couldn't think of the other two. But uh, he's had an incredible season and yet still had 10 runner-up finishes in a group one races. So a little bit unlucky. I yeah. tell you, we're lucky, we're lucky that like the Sun or the Daily Mail don't, don't really pay loads of attention to the Wade In podcast because if one, of the, if one of these sensationist publications was like pulling, pulling headlines from this podcast to be in a, in a matter of hours, it would be... Vanessa Ryle asks on the Wade In podcast, who's the bigger dog, Kiprias or Kinross? <laughs> <laughs> right. So to confirm, so far on this podcast, we have all asked 
that Kit Prios and Kin Ross will be back to some <laughs> at some point, and Frankie Dettori will also be back at Ascot at some point. We roll on. We roll on. The Brave Beckett was unfortunate in the sprint stakes. Then he was probably really pissed off by the time he got to the finish of the Phillies and Mares. He trained Blue Stocking, who was in second place at six to one behind the 22 to one poke that was Poptronic. And it was Blue Stocking who tried to run down the longtime leader Poptronic for the Carl Burke team, but couldn't pin her back in the crazy. She just didn't she just didn't want it, I say, Vanessa. Yeah, she did. Did. <laughs> I, I think she done it. <laughs> hung, hung, hung under, hung under pressure. No, another dog. On Daily Mail. Make it make it add blue stocking to the headline as well. I think blue stocking's got a wonderful <laughs> attitude, but I was also delighted. Optronic, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> wasn't it? All joking aside, to have a Group One winner on Champions Day, I know this. You know he's had lots of high, like big winners throughout the year, and he's had a great year. But I think because he's had such a great year, I was I was delighted to see him on the board in a Group One on the final day. Here, just I felt like even with a twenty-two to one shot, it was it was a good result, good result for the North and all of that, Kevin. But as ah. for itself. Is this one of the races that we'll be looking back on thinking that was one of those results that happened on heavy ground on Champions Day rather than a strong line of form? No, I don't want to knock her too much. Like She's got plenty of bits and pieces there. You know, she's a group two winner. Um, look, my, my and, and I've made the view known on the podcast a few times previewing the, the races in this division. Like, I don't think there's a lot between these fillies. You know, between ten and twelve furlongs, you know they keep banging heads. I, I genuinely don't think there's a whole lot between them. Um, it's not to say none of them are any good, but I just don't, don't think any of them are outstanding. And um, like that, she's entitled to be in there amongst them. Like, did I expect her to win? Absolutely not. Um, delighted for Sam James. Um, delighted for Sam James. Pretty certain. Um, that's his first Group One winner. Um, you know, uh, you know, he he he's been he, he's done very well in England, you know, but but you know, with, with all due respect, you know, at, at a level, um, and he slogs away there every year, and like he's ha- he's having a great season. Like the last couple of seasons have been ha- have been good and strong for him. Like he's getting a lot of rides, having plenty of winners, and um, great for him to to have a big day on this stage. Um, and and yeah, look, look, I I don't know what they'll do with her now. Um, she's entered in the Mersel. Um, don't know if she's gonna go. Um, she'll make a lot of money if she does. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, if she were to come back to the track next year, I I could see her being good and competitive, maybe winning another one over a mile and a half, uh, especially when the ground is soft. But um, she's versatile. She's won. Uh, she's won on quick ground too. Yeah, and I um obviously we slightly joked about it, Brendan, but. Blue stocking, I think they'll be very frustrated with her season all in all. You know, they're going to wrap up not having won a race with her, which seems quite yeah. shocking given yeah. A, the prices she's gone off and B, the races she's running and the races, the performances she's put forward. It seems a little unfair, but um, she remains of talent. I don't know what they'll do with her either now for the future. Yeah, I, 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 I mean... Chester, I, I suppose you, you can get a, a horse beaten in Chester. That was the, the race, wasn't it? They went to Chester where well, we get a win. It'll do her confidence no end of good. But clearly she's she's not a, a shrinking violet of a filly. Her, her, her confidence is no issue because basically, albeit that Chester run was a disappointment, she's hardly had a bad run all season. And I'd say they will have a, a go next year. Um, it, There's a good programme for fillies and mares. Why, why not? She's progressive, consistent, she surely has a really good chance of bagging at least one group one next year. 
Okay. Um, let's roll on then to one of the bigger uh, performances of, well, the big performance really of the whole day until Frankie went and did what he did on King of Steel. But uh, in the Queen Elizabeth II stakes, over the mile, big rock. Daryl, where to mm. start with this performance? Time people seemingly waxing lyrical, people who saw him in the paddock seem to love him, the big lad. And then he goes and puts in a performance like that on his preferred uh, softer, heavier ground. And they just couldn't see which way he went. Are you taking this form very literally when it comes to Big Rock? Like you, you couldn't make you couldn't make any ground up off the pace. That's for sure. Because looking at the sectional times, he finished up with about 92 percent at the finish. Like the, the final furlong was very slow, albeit still quicker than the Balmoral uh, winner. Uh, he was two and a half seconds quicker than the Balmoral winner. Um, but you just couldn't come from off the pace. Nothing could come from off the pace. So taking the form actual literally is, is tough to do, but he's just got such a high cruising speed. He powered through the ground. It was really quite impressive. He's very straightforward. What, I mean, what a horse you'd love to own him. Um, you know, he's behind in spiral the time before in France, like that level of form, you know, when, when in spiral was at her best there and big rock was only caught late on, I suppose you'd take that and, you look at the result now and you think, well, yeah, it kind of makes sense. He was the only one for money before the off. I see someone uh, tweeting about that the lads were on Paddington. They weren't. He drifted to touch 3.1 just before the off. He had drifted mm -hmm. uh, markedly before the race. The money was all for Big Rock. And, uh, yeah, he proved them correct. Um, I was quite impressed, to be honest. You were impressed. Um, and, yeah. Brendan, we better come to you about the horses in behind, specifically <clears throat> Paddington. Um, mm. Like, it looks like this is, you know, Paddington's going to be off to stud at the end of this season, if you listen to what connections have sort of said about him thus far. And it just feels as if he was the horse of the sort of early to mid-summer. We couldn't stop talking about him, waxing lyrical about him, and now just feels like he's going to pootle off to stud a little bit on a sort of, Downer, essentially, specifically after this. <laughs> <laughs> Wait to reel off the races he's won this season. I'm just saying, like, no, 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 no. I think it's a bit. I think it's a, it, it, it's an it's an interesting dilemma. He's going to poodle off to stud. He poodles off to stud. The poor, the poor old horse has been every dance all season. He, he's, he's, he's basically the iron horse. The iron horses don't poodle off the stud, Vanessa. They get oh, carried out under under shield after a season of fierce battles. All yeah. I'm saying, from the public's point of view, we. Yeah. Waxing lyrical about him all Absolutely. season. Thank you, Brendan. Well, and also, <laughs> also, I think we should try and get the word poodle into every podcast. <laughs> it plays on the lip. Uh, but what I would say is it's a very interesting test of breeders. And so back in the 80s, the, uh, the prevailing wisdom was that the breeders were like the general public, Vanessa. And they'd say, oh, this horse had a, had, a, had a great time during the summer, but ultimately it, it ended with a whimper. Uh, so we don't like this horse and stuff. But there has definitely been a change in uh, behaviour, certainly with the Coolmore lads, in terms of racing their horses and not being afraid to get them beaten. Because I think they've, I guess, that they've realised that breeders are grown-ups and they're able to contextualise things and say, OK, so his last couple of runs were great, but we know that he's a brown, versatile, teak, tough, 
mid 120s performer with a very good pedigree i think these are some of the qualities that i would like to get into my mare so i i don't really care about the last two runs so i just i i think it's interesting when we talked earlier in the season we said his value is established paddington's value is established by his exploit during the summer and he cannot lose value uh, and I still believe that to be the case because I, like Kumar, have faith in that uh, people who breed racehorses are grown-ups and are able to contextualise horse racing. Yeah, I mean, look, like there's no there's no getting away from the fact that he's going to be incredibly popular at stud. Mm. Like that, hence why they're rushing him off to stud because he's going to be so popular. And Kevin, for your sake, shall I just reel off what he did win? He won a Sussex. <laughs> he won a <laughs> <laughs> he won a St. James's Palace. He won an Irish 2000 Guineas. And prior to that, he won the, the Tech Track Stakes. That personally, to- per- personally, I think he's a very overrated horse, and I certainly wouldn't send the mare to him. Um, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. My, my, my. I, I just, uh, I'm being, I'm being terribly mischievous. I'm, I'm not deliberately trying to pick on you this morning, Vanessa. Now, but your, your choice of words tickles me at times. I just like, I just like poodle. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, I, I just like the imagery of it. But um, ah, yeah, look, I'd be with Brendan. Like Jesus, there's been some, there's been some horses over the years that that have ended on an awful whimper, like far, like like. Well, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even remember them. Like look, look at Glen Eagles' form. Um, like do you remember Glen Eagles? Like he, like his racing career, you know, won won the two classics, went to Royal Ascot, won the St James's Palace, was pulled out like a number of times because the ground was deemed too soft, and then finished on like a moderate run at Ascot, went to America and, and ran motherless. You know, and still uh, turned up and, and fettered the following year, stood for 60 grand and they were queuing up out the gate for him, you know. So, um, you know, I don't think, you know, uh, racing followers can are, are tougher on such things than than the bloodstock business, I think. You know, like a horse can commit an awful sin in the eyes of uh, in the eyes of racing followers, but it, it doesn't really matter um, when you when you broaden it out to the bigger picture. Um, and, and they're, they're standing at stud the following year. So, um, look, if, if it is the last time we see him, it is a pity. But look, at he went on an awful rampage there in the first half of the season. And um, he had got beaten, and uh, you know, the time before. And it was going to be a big ask of um, of Aiden to get him back to the height of his powers, you know, having hit a, a shade of a low note after being so high all season and being so aggressively campaigned. So, um you know, ends on a whimper, but but like you say, for for various reasons, his pedigree, etc. Would, um, so so. would you rather he ended on a whimper like that, or beaten to his merit in fourth? If he's oh, you'd rather he, you'd rather he run better, of course. But um, you know, if you throw him in the mix, you see what happens. But um, it's not the it's not the end it's not the end of the world. You know, did did it hurt? Um, Baid, you know, going out in the note that he did, I don't don't think it particularly did. Um, you know, well, this I, is, I, I, this I, I, in this day and age, like you said, Brendan, I think I think it's oh, 20, 30 years ago. I think the, the the stud men that were racing horses like were were really really sensitive to the mm. da- the damage the damage uh, of of them being beaten 
Um, and yeah, I think they talk about it themselves, the, the Coolmore guys. Like they, they don't mind them getting beat. They want to, they want to see them tested. They want to see them almost fully exposed before they go. Well, to God, God bless them as racing fans. It's a lot better now than it was back then. They just uh, whisked off the stud after the derby. Yeah, and she's looking with the ultimate example, I suppose, is is Frankel. Like like not like very very few top racing breeding operations whatever have brought him back as a four-year-old like it just wouldn't like why would you you yeah the you look at his his two three-year-old year and you say can't stay every dance why would you come back at four and god bless him for doing it because they brought him back and it, it was only it was in his four-year-old year that he went from being a star to being one of the greatest of all time you know uh, and that's the pity i just to broaden it out a little bit vanessa keep keep the news relevant that's the pity with ace impact in a way yeah. and we can all under we can all understand why he retired but um, I, I don't think he'll go down in the pantheon of greats because he it, it was all a little bit too fleeting, unfortunately. Um, but well, yeah, Brendan, there, there we, we go. We actually breezed past the Ace Impact news a little bit last mm. year. But, uh, sorry, last week. But we might as well just tie it in now because the other point I was going to make is the kind of, we've covered it well on the pod courtesy of Kevin, really. But, you know, the French sort of revival with their horses this season mm. has definitely been something that um, has been noteworthy. And then obviously a one-two in the QE2 stakes uh, on Champions Day was huge. And Christopher Head talking afterwards about how he's very keen to, you know, promote French racing again internationally to travel when he when and if he can with horses. And of course, that's what he's done with Big Rock. And we can only applaud that. But I know you just wanted to ask the question, well, in regard to Ace Impact, you were intrigued, were you, about where he will fit in at stud over there? Was that the Well, st- yeah, no, I, I, I only thought of it. I should have thought of it uh, last week, but most of my, my good ideas, it takes me a couple of days to come up with them. Uh, so I, we, we, we were saying, oh, commercial realities has to go to stud. So I was going to ask you and Kevin, the bloodstock corner, like he hasn't got a particularly luminous pedigree. Could he, he could hardly stand for any more than 50 grand, would be just my back of a fag paper calculation for all his ability on the track. And say he covers, I don't know, 120 mares in this first season, that's six million. It seems like commercial realities now, of course, that money, you're guaranteed to get that money. I get that. But you can kind of feel like if he was campaigned around some of the really huge big money prizes in, in, in the Middle East and to, towards the arc at the end of the season, he could get close to winning six million in a season, couldn't he? You, you know, it's just, I, 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 I don't think he's going to stand for 100 grand or anything, is he? No, no, I got, I got, I got put on the spot actually by 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 that old devil, Francesca Camani, on air there last week, and asked me, "Well, what do you think you'll stand for?" And I had thought about it a bit, in fairness, and um, and my guess was between thirty and forty. And then she, of course, the the the, the devil that she is, she revealed that I think she had a bit of an insider, a bit of an insider steer on it, and uh, she's heard that he might stand for forty thousand. Um, but look, the, 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 I suppose look, there are wider considerations in that the people that are standing him bought in after his British Hockey Club win, and they would have bought in at a, at a heavy old premium. And when you when you make a substantial investment, it's a difficult thing to turn up at the race course and watch it running around in, in a horse race, <laughs> um, you know, for, for with the risks attached, etc. And we also spoke about like the significance of this for the French. Um, breeding industry is massive. They haven't had an arc winner um, commence his stallion career there for the bones of 25 years. Um, so it's, it's from a French point of view, it's a big, big deal. Um, so I, I can understand it. But um, at the same time, you uh, you would have loved to have seen him rock on and potentially win more group ones. And like you say, earn, a, earn an awful lot of money too. But 
Um, it's easy for us to, to sit down and say that, but um, when you have, um, you know, heavy seven figures invested, um, it, it's not a comfortable experience watching that going out and <laughs> galloping flat out on no, racetracks. But I uh, just a very quick, just a very quick one on this. Uh, I I just I really like Big Rock. And I've really liked him since that day in the Jockey Club where he set the pace. What was, what was a, a race record um, time performance? He was the one that made that uh, from a pace point of view. Um, a little bit disappointed with him subsequently. So great to see him do this. But you know why I really like him, Vanessa? He's by Rocket Gibraltar. You yeah. know, what, what, a, what a throwback this is. Um, he he died last year, Rocket Gibraltar, one, one of the horses that, that was an absolute machine when I was getting into racing. Um, if you're only an L young fella, go on to YouTube there and look up Rocket Gibraltar winning the Grand Criterium in France as a two-year-old. It's the most stunning display of finishing speed you'll ever see a racehorse ever do. Um, and like it, it's gas, like it's very unusual. Kumar kept him there all the way up to the end of his career, and he was standing. I don't want to say he was standing as a, as a as a pet, but like he was standing at a much much reduced fee there for for the, you know many years. And I, I just grab I just grabbed my old copy of the Return of Mares there just to see how many mares he was covering at the very back end of his career in twenty twenty one. He covered twenty four mares. And, oh. um, I was actually I was actually um, in in the very last year of his life. He covered fourteen. You know, so he was covering like very, I like that. Very, very small numbers of mares. And uh, so so for him to throw up um, a group one winner in amongst them and one of his last props is absolutely class for me. Uh, so, yeah, big, big rock, great name as well for, for a son of Rocket Gibraltar. So for those reasons alone, um, that, 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 that was a real sweet one. Great. That was great. Okay. I enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, we probably covered the. Yeah, no, I put my book back. Yeah. <laughs> um, horse performances done and dusted from Champions Day. We should just mention a few other things. Obviously, William Buick crowned champion jockey. Um, Brendan didn't really feel that the champion jockey race over here, anyway, this season really lit fire at any point. Obviously, great to see William Buick, solid guy, winning it for a second time. Mm. But, God, I am cynical. What is wrong with me today? Oh, so cynical. I'm not picking on you at all. It's completely justified. <laughs> I felt like a bit of a damp squib. Fair enough, Vanessa. Competition is the quintessence of sport. It was over. It, it was never really a contest. And I suppose the other thing is that it's the difference between the, the big races and just the n- number of winners. I mean, I mean, he did a great job. He wanted yeah. the champion jockey to retain his crown, uh, but he, he was looking to ride in the his, his, his the premium races and win group ones. And unfortunately, uh, Appleby didn't have a great year, so there was nothing he could do about it. He made the, he made the most of what was a middle and out season for him. Um, mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I think if you're ever going to have a memorable jockeys uh, champion, you need there to be a, a close finish. That's just the nature of it. So I, I wouldn't yeah. be screwed. I- yeah, I think, Brendan, you're right. It's like, you know, you want competition and there was real no competition. And on top of that, like you say, it's not like he's had an amazing season. So it just feels like he's won it. But was it a vintage year? He'll remember not really. Um, however, that and of course, the Apprentice winner in Billy Lotnane, who we'll get to in a minute, got good coverage on ITV. And ITV also played out a feature that I think Great British Racing did on William Buick and his five-year-old son, Thomas, who is autistic. And it was just a really, I don't know, Kev, did you get to see that bit of content? It was like 
it was a really different bit of content, something that you somebody's had a real light bulb moment to produce and do. And with the go ahead of the Buick family, I just thought it was it was a really sweet and different piece. Yeah, I got 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 a bit dusty in the room when I was watching it. Yeah, it was, it was nice, wasn't it? It was nice, um, re- really well put together. Fair play to them for, um, for 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 giving that level of um access etc to something so, um so so sensitive um and yeah it, it it was lovely it was very nice um so fair play to all involved there. One of those real, you know, I didn't I didn't know that about William Buick's son. And I watched it and I thought, you know, it's just a real life lesson that what you see on the outside is not always mm. what people are having to deal with on the inside behind closed doors. And, you know, every every family has their challenges. Uh, but it was, you know, plaudits the people who put that together. I thought it was really good and for ITV for showing it. Um, Daryl, obviously, Billy Lochnane has had a huge amount of press, so we don't really need to go through what he's achieved this year. But incredible to think that on Champions Day last year, he rode in his last ever pony race. And fast forward to Champions Day this year, and he's crowned champion jockey, uh, champion apprentice. Sorry, I should. I went and did a feature with him, right, for um, for his own platform, actually, with M3 Media. And a day filming with him wasn't what I was what I expected. He's got this like outward persona of being this like happy go lucky kid that can ride, has got some lucky breaks, and is on this massive wave of you know life. And now, of course, that is the case. But trust me, it. I drove home and I thought you don't ride a hundred winners in your first season without having a level of kind of steely determination that you find very rarely in life. I think behind it, behind that big smiley face, there's so much more to him. And I came away and I thought, yeah, that's not just some happy go lucky Billy, the kid situation. And testament to him because, uh, you know, most the majority of his winners have come in handicaps, you know, not in the apprentice races. So he's mixing it with the big boys. He's got a great brain on him. Uh, I mean, when you when you when you back him, you know, he's going to make some good decisions for you. And uh, I like the way I think it's his dad. Is it his dad that's been been sort of? Yeah. yeah, walking him through the season, sort of, you know, he's not rushed him into you know, when he had his claim, he wasn't rushed into to get rid of that claim and he sort of cherry picked his way through. And I like the way he's done it, I like the way he's come on. Um, yeah, hopefully, I know it's difficult for these apprentices the following year, um, but hopefully, he, he's one that's going to rise right to the top. Yeah, yeah, I, I, pick that up. yeah, I dealt, I dealt with Billy a, a good bit during the race in league, obviously, who was on the, was on the Irish team. Um, so Del put him quite closely during that. Like it's just, just sickeningly precocious. Like, like yeah. you just you just for you just forget you're talking to a teenager. Um, like he was so so mature to deal with, and like some sometimes like it, it things didn't go to plan, and like he'd come in and like like a seasoned pro, you know, come in and just say, "Look, guys, I can only apologize," you know, and explain what went wrong, why it went wrong, why it was his fault, and um, you know. And that's a, that's where you learn about fellas when it's when it when it when it goes wrong, you know, and clearly plenty an awful lot has gone right for Billy. Um like like fundamentally, and look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna um pretend I don't have the view just because it's it's it, it doesn't apply in this case. Like I wouldn't be a big fan of apprentices rocketing through claims um like this, um, because you know, they are learning their trade, they're they're they're, they're teenagers in a man's world, etc. And sometimes they can um, get a little bit lost when they come into the, the big bad world as such. But um Jesus he's a good he's a good candidate to be an exception now. Um seems to have a great head on him, great support base there. 
like would have, would have talked to Mark a good bit about him there and like he's been he's been living like a pro since since you know for a good few years now you know um like geez they've they've really they, they've put so much into him and you can see Mark when he spoke about him you know typical typical Irish father he probably it probably isn't great to say it to Billy himself but when he when he talks to other people about him you can really see it coming true you know um how how much he cares and how proud he is etc. Um, so yeah, we're really, really interested to see where, where the Billy the Kid story goes. But um, one hundred winners in uh, in you know, and it's, by the time he gets to the end of the year, geez, what's that number going to be in in his first full year as a um, with a license? Like, it's just nuts. So um, yeah, the, the very best of luck to him. Yeah, and we've spoken about it before. We obviously have to be careful putting these kids on a pedestal and claiming that they're the next big thing. We've seen the downfall happen as well. Um, and we've said it before about other people. So, but I do, I just hope and I think that Billy's got the right people around him to stay on the right side of the tracks rather than the wrong side of it. Uh, but we will, of course, follow his career with interest. Um, before we go any further, a couple of other horses to mention, but just getting the news through that Tahira has been retired which is somewhat disappointing, I think it's fair to say, Kevin, if not necessarily unexpected. Um, yeah, look, I kind of held that hope now because look, it would be, it, it would be, would have been typical, typical historically for the Aga Khan to, to retire th- those really good fillies um, at the end of the three-year-old year. That would have been typical, but we had um, a glorious exception to that with this filly's half-sister, Ternawa, who, you know, raced on until she was five, you know, and ran in a bunch of arcs. And, you know, it was just a it was just a brilliant fitty. And the hope was that um was that it inspired by by how how well that went in many ways that this fitty might um carry on. Um but alas no, I don't know how this news has literally just broken a couple of minutes ago. I don't know if there was a little if she came back a little bit sore from from Ascot or what have you, but um okay. would have been great. I, I don't know. I'm expecting I I I'm just Saying yeah. that I don't know um, where I, there is any any context. Um, would have been great to see her at the Breeders' Cup. Um, would have been better to see her next year. Um, God, talented filly. Whoa, uh, on her good days, she she's looked really good. Um, if you wanted to poke and prod a bit, you could say maybe the depth of the the fillies she was beating wasn't tip top. Um, but I, I don't think um Saturday was probably a full reflection of her. Um, you know, I don't think those circumstances would have shown her the best effect. You know, we know the, the way the race panned out. She she missed the kick, was held up, etc. Um, so pity. Um, but look, at, uh, onwards we go. We'll um, uh, what do we wait? Uh, we're in 2024, 2025. Uh, well, wait about four years. We'll see our first two year old right. having uh, having ra- having raced on the track. Hopefully. <laughs> okay, we need to. We've got a very few news topics to do. We are slightly running out of time because we've had too much fun. Um, so you're each. But that's the main thing, Vanessa. We're in the fun business. We're in the <laughs> entertainment business. <laughs> that's the main. That's, that's the main thing. Um, <clears throat> just call us Frankie the Tory. Um, where let's we are all going to get one international horse each. Brendan, you're getting Sunway, who we got to see win the Criterium International for David Benuzier over in France on Sunday, has been cut from sixteen. Uh, sorry, to sixteens from forties for the two thousand guineas, and has been introduced in the Derby betting as well. Uh, were you that connections seem very impressed? Lots of positive words afterwards. Well, Clued- connection should. Connections should be proud of themselves. They found some group one there, didn't they? Portland and Navy Seal. They are 
they are uh, two pretty limited two-year-olds finished third and fifth that's the form context i can give you another boost and in fairness sunway didn't run his race in that ascot listed race that rosalian won but yeah. ludicrous. <laughs> the form of that is, is just completely ludicrous came back and uh back to form uh, two lengths behind iberian but again Iberian got a Tonkin in the Jewer. So it's just, it, it's a good performance, but I don't think that was a proper group one race. I'd okay. now, is it, is it full, full brother to Galloway, who, who, um, yeah, who, won, yeah, a group so one, who won a group one or two and went on to win the C- Champions League, et cetera? Yeah. Yeah. Sealaway, sorry. What did I say? Yeah. He's by Galloway, full brother to Sealaway. Um, Daryl Carter, you can have Los Angeles, who on the same card won the Criterium de Son Clue over the 10 furlongs. Um, is now cut from 40s again to 20s for the derby. Just these two-year-old performances worth a mention. Did you have any interest in him? Are you in any way intrigued by him at the moment? No, not really. I thought it was it was a hard-fought win, to be honest. Um, bunch finish. Uh, he's a typical typical Aiden O'Brien. Big unit, I think, it's going to come on for the run. I think uh, will continue to improve for the run. I think soft ground's probably going to be prefer- prefer- preferred for him. But it's too early to get involved. You've got the likes of City of Troy lurking. So we can't get involved in those markets just yet. No, yeah, you, you might you might remember Vanessa, um, the 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 Duke and myself talked about this fella a bit after he won a tip. Um, he he was impressed. He was he was impressive that day. Now, and I remember I was there, and he is a big big boy, and I was impressed with him here. Um, like on the second run of his life, obviously pretty sick that he managed to beat Highlands in the stream, but. Given his inexperience, um, like and he, he does look at look a real stare, like Jesus, at least a mile and a half, I'd say will be will be his game. But um, I wouldn't like to, you know, I know sometimes these these San Clue Group ones can end up looking a, a little bit windy in the fullness of time, and they, they did finish in a small heap, as Daryl mentions. But um, I wouldn't rule out the possibility now that he could be he could be a very good middle distance horse next year. All right, and final then final international race to you, Kevin, because you can have the Caulfield Cup. Saw without a fight win, beat West Wind Blows, who went off the favourite in the end. Um, but without a fight, winning the race for Mark Zaha. I think he got a ban as well in the closing yeah. stage, closing stage seven days, was it? Um, but I know you wanted just to give a very quick mention to the Australian racing. Yeah, real strong race, the Caulfield Cup. Um, tough one for Simon and Ed Christopher, who sent down West Wind Blows, um, ran an absolute stormer after missing the kick, and who beats him? And without a fight, who who they trained um, up to last year, um, ran in the Melbourne Cup for them last year, and then switched to Australian based connections. So, um, that would have been pretty tough. I'm um, good to see that um, whip related forays aren't confined to this part of the world because um, I follow a fair few Aussie racing accounts, and the whole narrative post race has been uh, focusing on Mark Zara's whip offence and the fairness of it, having you know won won the race, having. Uh, having transgressed the rules and the, the, the narrow runner-up having held to them, etc. Um, um, but I also wanted to have a, lit, a little poke as well, because Westwind blows Vanessa second in the, in the Caulfield Cup and um, ran a beautiful race. He's surely going to have a big chance in the Melbourne Cup, isn't he? Negative. Sure. Surely. Oh, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I forgot uh, Race in Victoria, in their wisdom, brought in a rule a couple of years ago that international runners can't have more than one run in Australia before the Melbourne Cup. Westwind Blows has now had two, so he's not permitted to run in the Melbourne Cup, but he can run in another race on the same card. Logic. What? Struth. Wow. I, of, all, of all the rules they brought in, I, I, I think 
no, no, that's not the worst. Uh, that's that. This is this is a stupid rule, but it's not the worst one they brought wow. in. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I I just think that's incredible. And you have to, you'll have to go through all the all the, the usual rigmarole to be allowed run in um, what's it called, the Queen Elizabeth or something. Um, but yeah, not allowed run in the Melbourne Cup because he's had two runs um, in this prep, as they say in Australia. And the thought is that these that uh, that the reason, the justification for the rule is that these international horses. They, uh, they won't have had enough time to acclimatise to the brutal demands of Australian racing and have, allowing them to have more than one run before the Melbourne Cup in Australia would put them at risk of, uh, of something catastrophic in the Melbourne Cup. So there you go. You think we have problems. And it's nothing to do with protection. Hey, hey, Vanessa, it's nothing to do with protectionism. Nothing to do with protectionism. They, 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 just, want, they just want to protect their great race from the, from the horrors of, of breakdowns of international contenders. Okay, let's let's move on to just I think just basically one news item, which was that we got the news through this morning, courtesy of the Racing Post, I think it was. Um, there was an article in there in regards to ITV One have commissioned a docu series, six part documentary series, uh, all about national hunt racing, essentially backed by Flutter, um, six part docu series is going to be aired prime time on terrestrial television, 9 p.m. on ITV1, which is absolute prime time slot, um, millions of viewers. And so this is very positive news, Kevin. Uh, Brendan, I'll come to you first, actually. We've heard enough from Kevin there. Um, <laughs> very positive news for horse racing, of course. I mean, it's going to be huge publicity for the sport. You read that. I know there's been lots of talk about various series on various platforms in regards to flat racing, national hunt racing, international racing, but it seems that we've fallen on this. Um, can is it is it a case of this can only be a positive for our sport? Definitely can be a, a positive, Vanessa. I was I, I was delighted to uh, I was delighted to hear it, and uh, but it's it's very important that we realise that, uh, and indeed the. Uh, British horse racing authorities do seem to be conscious that they have to do something about the National Hunt Programme because um, we have to learn from history, Vanessa, lest we be doomed to repeat it. Because I know about this drive to survive business. They, they, they got a massive bump in viewerships, the old F1. People really, really bought into the characters and then they said, yeah, we're, we're on board with this. Then they watched F1 for a couple of seasons. And the people who run Formula One don't seem to care about competition. That The guy, this one guy wins it all the time and they don't care. And what your general sporting uh, public wants, and uh, indeed your casual sports fan who will tune in on the back of, of these documentaries because they bought into the characters, is competition. So you have to do it in tandem with shake, shaking up the... Um, we're shaking up the National Home Programme in Britain because what I don't want to see is all these new viewers come along, they've brought into these brave jockeys coming in mud splattered, talking about their lives and what have you. I'm really interested in talking about this horse that they're riding that they have great dreams of and another guy's talking about this horse he has great dreams of and the viewers tune in and they say, oh, I can't wait to see these two horses meet on the track and we, the grizzled old National Home followers, say, oh, the naivete. What you don't realise is that we have this race called the Turn Turner's novices chase because we don't like them running against them. We've no interest in that. So, yes, absolutely. Get the public on board, but give them competition. This is what we all crave, Vanessa. Yeah, we definitely need it to be. Um, we don't know what format this series is going to 
be, is going to come to our screens in. So we have no idea kind of what narrative they will be following, what they'll be focusing in on, Daryl. But one thing we do know is that 9 p.m. primetime ITV and produced by a production company who produce entertainment documentary series in all different categories. This is going to have to be a wide-reaching entertainment piece rather than a niche horse racing program um, if it's going in primetime ITV slot. And for me personally, I think one of the things that we have to be careful about is referring to it as, as a horse racing version of Drive to Survive. Drive to Survive per episode is a probably a 1.5 million plus pound budget per episode. And if you work in TV or know about terrestrial TV and ITV's budget, I mean, we're talking like a different a different stratosphere of budget for those Netflix docuseries and the drive to survive type thing. So I think we just have to be careful about that because that's million pounds worth of per episode. And it's unlikely that ITV um, are going to have quite the same level of investment essentially but having said all of that it's a real opportunity to get this right for horse racing isn't it daryl like we can't sugarcoat our sport and it's going to be going out to millions of people on prime time but at the same time it, it has the opportunity to be a wonderful platform if they get it right absolutely i don't know how on earth i'd follow brendan's soliloquy there uh that was that was absolutely beautiful what he said and the way you put that but yeah i think they've got a fantastic opportunity an opportunity that racing always asks for something like this uh so hopefully there's some educational pieces in there for people on the aspect of the stick and and other bits and pieces that perhaps cloud people's judgment when they think about national hunt racing so yeah it's a it's a brilliant opportunity we have kicked ourselves in the foot hundreds of times when we've had good opportunities to do to do good things in this sport and to try and project uh, the image that we want to project on the public so fingers crossed that this is this is i mean it is definitely a, a, undoubtedly a positive to have this opportunity but let's hope that it's done um correctly and uh i'm looking forward to it really looking forward to it yeah i, t I take a different view vanessa i take a different view i don't think we, we should fall into the trap of trying to make this an educational propaganda piece at all no, 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 I didn't mean. A, I didn't mean. No, oh, sorry, I, I, no, no, I, no, 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 I know exactly what you mean. But like, really and truly, you know, a platform like this, an opportunity like this, the, the, the app, and I have strong views on this. Now, I could talk about this for a while. I think the absolute focus of this has to be just to make the sport interesting, make it entertaining. You know, get people in because, uh, and then we can. But then, once we get them in, we can, we can teach them and give them all the propaganda we like. But we have to make it interesting. We have to have a, make it about characters. It's no good following around, you know, doing doing the cookie cutter. Follow the top trainers talking about the top horses and the top jockeys and the top rides and getting all the usual cookie cutter stock answers off them. You know, we've got to find the characters. We know they're there, and we got to get their personalities out. Like, I don't know if you watch Clarkson's Farm. Absolutely brilliant. You know, Farm, and most people would have no interest in Farm. You get a few characters in amongst it, um, interesting, funny fellas, and all of a sudden you've got you've got a hit show, and people are taking an interest in farming, and farming matters, and farming politics, blah, blah, blah. We have to make this interesting. We have to get... Um, fascinating characters, divisive characters. We need a bit of conflict. We need a bit of humor. Uh, as we say, as we're in the entertainment business, and this has to be entertaining because, oh Lord, if we get this opportunity in this platform and it ends up being a bland, 
you know, stop Cody Cutter. And it looks lovely and we show some good race and action, but it's bland and it doesn't grab people. That's my fear. And that's the trap we've fallen into before with this type of thing in racing. Um, like, like even the, 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 the program that focused on um, um, Andrew Balding, Oshin Murphy. Beautiful, look, look, beautifully shot. Look, beautiful, beautifully shot. Look fantastic. Like, like really, really good in so many ways. But I, I just don't feel it, it grab people. And I know it's challenging. So there was only a couple of episodes, etc. But um, like, like we we need this to work. This, this is a big opportunity. Delighted that it's got over the line. Can't wait to see how how they approach it. Uh, really exciting. But we have to entertain people. We really do. No, I'm I'm with you. I think I all together it can it's a it's a positive, but they've got to get it right. And like you, I think they have to they can't be afraid of showing the warts and all and the bad. Oh, stuff. massively so, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's prime time ITV, which I fear is something they'll shy away from because of its slot on terrestrial television. But we will see and we will follow it with interest. And at the moment we are all well, we will be very much all for it. Filming starts around Christmas time, I think. So imminently, really. Uh, guys, what fun that was. Me being cynical. Who would have thought in the absence of Tony Calvin that I would take up that cynical <laughs> Sally mantle? And that's what I did this show, didn't I? Yes, great. Uh, Daryl, great to have you on board. Brendan, star as always. Kevin Blake, you know, we appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Blake, what, what a bollocks. <laughs> I was going to use the L word and then I realised that was out there take that sort of thing too literally. Um, um, right, let's wrap it up, guys. We will, of course, be back on Thursday with Racing Only Better. But for now, thank you very much for watching and listening. As always, that was Betfair's Wade in Podcast. Have a good week. <laughs>